still as if you need to make a retreat there. It's funny, having sung that song about the Word of God, I do want to start with something slightly different to it, because I want to just tell a story, a good story to start with. Um, it's a story about a person by the name of Mr. H. And I can tell you a bit about him. Um, I'll tell you something. He, ha- he had a wall. Okay? He had a wall. Oh, I probably could tell you his surname. Mr. H has a surname. He was called um, Mr. H. Dumpty. Um, he, he was, in fact, an, an egg. He's a nice guy. Um, a good egg. Um, <laughs> But he's not a very clever egg, because he did something which you'd sort of think an egg would not do this. He he actually sat on the wall. And I'd have thought that if you're an egg, that's the one thing you don't do. Well, he sat on the wall, and it wasn't great. He wibbled, and he wobbled, and then, of course, he fell off and broke. And I need some scissors... Excuse me, I'm doing something important here. That you're interrupting. This is fine, isn't it? It's okay to do this. It's a, it's a good story. People like this sort of thing. You're saying you don't like my artwork? Come back, Maria, this is fine. Come back. Um, where's, can you go and get a Liz? Welcome team usually go out if somebody leaves a gathering like this. Just see if you can fetch her back in because, yeah, that's, they'll be okay. It's fine, okay? Anyway, Humpty Dumpty was in bits on the floor, okay? There he was. I hope she comes back. Well, let me just anticipate um, and say that... Oh, she's all smiles. Thank you. Let's give her a round of applause. Why on earth did we start the sermon like that? Um... Uh, let me just say, if, if you're feeling a bit rattled, it wasn't real, okay? It was, it was pretend. I told her all about this beforehand, and um, we're all cool now, okay? It's fine, isn't it? That sort of thing doesn't normally happen in church, does it? Oh, not when I've been in church, anyway. You, you don't get big interruptions in church like that. There is a bit that sometimes happens in weddings, but it's not really like that. You know, there's a bit in weddings where somebody gets, if anybody knows any reason in law why these people may not be married, you ought to declare it now. But I've never been there when someone stood up and said, no, stop this now, and interrupted the whole thing. If we had a big interruption in a church service... You'd all remember it, wouldn't you? You'd definitely remember when that happened. Now, today in the Bible, we're looking at a story, an account of an outburst in a service which no one ever forgot. We're going to have Tim do a reading from Mark's Gospel in a moment, not quite yet. And I can almost guarantee that as you listen to the reading, I... Some people will be thinking, oh, I know that one, boring, boring, I've heard that one before. And that's because, let me tell you why it's boring to us if we think we've heard it before. It's boring because it isn't boring. It's boring because once you've heard this story, you think you're never ever going to forget this one. And that, of course, is why they wrote it down. Everything in Jesus' life was like that. So amazing that you wouldn't 
ever forget it if you were there. So just listen to the day when there was an interruption, an argument in the middle of church and actually in the middle of the sermon. Okay, this is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. It's on the screen. Uh, Listen carefully. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Just then... A man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed, they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Thank you very much, Tim. Um, you'll, you'll hear that, that, you'll see that reading if you need to. What is it all about, that story? We've just got to that bit in Mark's Gospel. We didn't choose that one specially for that. That's how far we've got. What's it all about? I think the clue is in the verse which um, came near the end there. If you listen very carefully, actually, there's a word that comes twice. Um, Readers will have spotted a long word. Verse 22 says, They were amazed because he, Jesus, taught them as one who had authority. And then, same word, verse 27. What's this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. What do we mean when we say Jesus has authority? What's that mean? Well, I think the easiest way to explain is it's just a way of saying that he is Lord. So, look at my amazing technical stuff here. There we go. I, now that I've seen the size of the screen in here, I know that I've got to go, go large next time we come, okay? But I hope you can see that at the back. He's Lord. He's the boss. He's in charge. And I'm going to describe what that means in three different ways. For a start, this is where we go really micro. You're never going to see that at the back, okay? He's Lord of our lives. Okay? So that's a little picture of a person. It could be you, it could be me, it could be anyone. He, Jesus, is Lord of our lives. He has authority over us. In fact, the grown-ups saw that last week at All Saints because we read a little bit before in the account of Jesus' life where Jesus called Simon and Andrew and James and John to follow him. And I brought with me here a fisherman's net, okay? I probably would have been a bit bigger than the nets they had, but he came to them, he came to Simon and Andrew while they were fishing in the lake. Um, Net, probably bigger, but Jesus came while they were busy living their lives and he just said, follow me, and they came and it says they left their nets behind. 
they knew that he was the Lord. And by leaving their nets, they were saying to him, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. It was a way of saying that. And just raises the question, I wonder if you have ever prayed that way to Jesus Christ. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord Jesus. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. And what an adventure begins when you do that. Life's never the same again if you pray that way and keep it up. It won't always be easy, but let me say, I can honestly say, it will never, never, never spoil your life to have Jesus as Lord like that. He's Lord of our lives. I guess people in this room would be happy to say, yes, that's true for me, and recommend it to others. The next thing. Oh, this is, this is where the pictures go crazy. You'll never see what's inside that building, okay? He's Lord over the church. Okay? I wasn't sure what sort of picture I could actually use there because um, the pointy building in that little picture we've got there isn't the church, okay? The, the people inside, they are what the Bible calls the church. There's no point, well, there is a sort of pointy bit I saw in the Henry Morris Hall. But actually, we are a church of people gathered in here. Now, hang on, somebody's saying, where does it say anything about church in that reading we had that Tim gave us? And you're right, it didn't say, it didn't use that word at all. The reading we had was about a synagogue meeting. And in the New Testament, the synagogue, there were lots of synagogues probably in Capernaum, the synagogue was the pattern of what they did in church. In fact, they even used the word synagogue to describe their gatherings. There's a verse in James where it says that when you synagogue together as a church, isn't it interesting, if you think about it, that Jesus Christ went so often to his equivalent of church. He was a regular. And strikingly, he went as Lord over the church. Lord over the church. He had authority there. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Let me try and show you what that means. Um, the teachers of the law were very, very knowledgeable, but it was almost, you could say, a book knowledge. Um, Rabbi so-and-so says this, and somebody else in another learned term says that. And uh, it was about as interesting as if I was to stand up here with my special academic hat on. You can tell I've worn this lot. It's bent out of shape. Okay? I had my academic hat on, and I was to read from the Oxford English Encyclopedia. And off we go. Extraditable. Liable to extradition. Let's look for some really interesting ones. Extremist. A person who holds extreme fanatical views. Eisenach. German-born British psychologist. Noted for his strong criticism. All true, but not the sort of thing that's really going to change your life, is it? Probably not transformative. 
Not going to make much difference to anyone. But when Jesus stood up in the synagogue, wow! Um, He might have read from the scroll. He probably didn't need to. He knew his Bible well, the Old Testament. He might have read from the scroll. He might have said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And then there'd be a pause. He'd put the scroll down and say, that's happening today, everybody. Right here, right now. What he said 700 years ago is true because I'm here. It's my free translation. Or he might say what we looked at a few weeks ago. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. In other words, the time has come because the king has come. I'm here. It it would have been electric to hear him. Or he'd say, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So can you tell the difference? Mumble, mumble, mumble from the encyclopaedia. That's sort of book knowledge. Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. It's a completely different thing. He stood, Jesus, in the gatherings of God's people and took charge by his teaching. He took over from every other voice and he brought them the true word of God. And it was electric. It says people were amazed. And you know that? It's still the same today. Jesus Christ may not be physically here, but he's still present by his spirit and he's still Lord of the church and he takes charge of the church as we all open our Bibles. When the Bible's shut, well, everyone is bumbling along. No one really knows what to think, even if people sound very clever. When we all open our Bibles, in a church service, in our homes, wherever, when we take it to heart... That puts us in touch with Jesus Christ, direct. We hear a voice we won't hear anywhere else. So, don't let anybody tell you that church is dull. As if. No way. You might as well say Jesus is dull. No way. He's awesome. He's authoritative. Over the church. Now, one last heading... He's Lord over the devil. And my art was challenged here. I couldn't really do a picture of the devil. If you're thinking that he probably wears a red boiler suit and has a pointy tail and fork, think again. Here's my, um, my best attempt, okay? Okay? You see what that is? Maybe it'll help if I just do this. Sorry with the uh, buzz. Okay. I am a very strong man. I just want to get that on record. I I hope the sermon is recorded. I hope we all know. Um, I didn't pose for hours in front of a mirror to get that arm right, but I could have done. Anyway, sorry. 
what am I on? Where am I in the, the, the sermon here? This is really interesting again. Here's the deal. Jesus has one description of the devil. He says he is like a very strong man. The devil's like a very strong man, a superhero gone wrong. He's powerful. And he can do a lot of harm. Like the harm he'd done in messing up the life of the man in our Bible reading today. He's powerful. But Jesus is Lord. He is more powerful still. Much more powerful. Lord over the devil. He'd already fought off the devil in the desert when he was tempted for 40 days. Then in this moment in Capernaum, he threw the devil to the floor again. And you remember, actually, it wasn't all that hard for Jesus in the story. Um, Grown-ups, I can say this, the movies get this wrong. They always have the vicar in the sort of um, devil sort of exorcist film. They have the vicar holding up a cross or holding up a Bible and the vicar's sweating in his robes and he's saying lots and lots and lots of magic words. Well, just a couple of words from Jesus won the day. Silence! Come out of him. And the devil's power was broken. Amazing. And in three years, it would be game over because when Jesus died on the cross, he took our sin on himself so that we can be forgiven, which is wonderful. And in doing that, he dealt with evil and he defeated the devil. So, when it seems like all hell is breaking loose, as it sometimes does in our lives, Remember the cross. Remember that synagogue in Capernaum. Because with Jesus in charge of you, you are absolutely safe. He is stronger than the strong man. He's Lord over the devil. Now, I'm pretty much finished today. Lovely to be with you, um, CCSE. Thank you for hosting us in the uh, Henry Morris Hall. I am sorry to leave you with a mess on the stage. I sort of wondered about giving you a challenge. Can you put Humpty back together again? Um, There's a sort of jigsaw up there. If you want to put him back together again and you want to do that, you can get a a cake from the table as a prize for doing that. In the nursery rhyme, of course, no one could put Humpty back together again. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And that's actually quite a good picture of the human condition. Because of our sin, and because we live in a mucked up world where the devil still has some power, however hard we try, we can't fix it. All the king's horses and all the king's men can't put our broken world back together again. We can't put our broken lives back together again. But I can tell you one person who can, and that's Jesus, the Lord. Make sure... Remember this one and the fisherman. Make sure that he's taken charge of your life and then watch him piecing our lives back together again, putting the pieces back together again in our church, in our families. It could be in the workplace, it could be in our marriages, it could be any number of ways, our village, as he puts the pieces back together, as we come under his rule, 
It's an amazing thing, the difference it can make, that he, in a way no other force can, as Lord in our lives. I want to close, and I want to just give us a pause to pray that prayer I mentioned uh, earlier on. I'll find it so I get it right. Remember those fishermen saying, as it were, I'll do what you want me to do, I'll go where you want me to go, I'll be what you want me to be. Let's just be as quiet as we can for a moment. You think about what that might mean for you. That'll be a prayer that anyone in the room, whether you've been a Christian for ages, can pray, can say again, and it make all the difference in our lives. Jesus is Lord. Lord, we want to acknowledge that and bow the knee to you again. Maybe you can just stay quietly under your breath, thinking about the week ahead or your situation at home, in the workplace. These words quietly, I'll leave pauses so you can echo them. Lord Jesus, I'll do what you want me to do. Lord Jesus, I'll go where you want me to go. Lord Jesus, I'll be what you want me to be. We thank you, Lord, that you are a good Lord, good in every way, and you sort the mess out. You forgive our sins, and you give us a new start and bright hope for the future. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.